You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of News Talk 770. Welcome to The Strong Room. I'm Peter Watts. Canada's graying workforce will spell big fiscal trouble for future taxpayers, according to a new study from the C.D. Howe Institute. One of the authors of the study, Colin Busby, will join us today. And the fact that many of us are working past normal retirement age points to the need for good life planning to ensure that when we do retire, we can retire in the style to which we would like to become accustomed. Sherry McMillan will be along to talk about that. We begin, though, with Colin Busby, who takes a big-picture look at the Canadian scene at this moment and talks about what the implications of a graying workforce might be, both for the taxpayer and for the individual. In the next one, two, three years, just a little bit, a little bit, and a little bit more, but over the next 20 to 30 years, the answer is that the impact will be substantial, and it's going to affect the growth rate of, of, of tax revenues for government, so it's going to slow the, the growth of the economy and slow how fast gov- governments take in money from, the, uh, from uh, the workforce, and at the same time, it's going to increase pressure on uh, a number of public services, namely healthcare. Uh, that all comes from uh, the baby boomer generation basically retiring. Well, fundamentally, I mean, once you once you know the you have a number of a larger number of people that are coming out of the labor force. I mean, they're an important part of 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 what drives economic growth each and every year, and that's the number of people uh, you know putting hammers to nails and typing on keyboards and so on. As the as the growth rate of the, those number of people starts to uh, diminish, and it is starting to fall off substantially in spite of the fact that we're admitting more and more new Canadians each and every year. Um, I mean, you're going to see the growth rate of workers fall uh, incredibly, and that alongside is going to slow the growth rate of the economy. And then the sort of ripple effects of that mean that you know, provinces in particular are going to have a hard time uh, raising the amount of money that they've been used to raising um, you know, each and every year to, to pay for uh, public programs. And then you know, when people get older and boomers start to get into the ages of 75, 85, and so on, and their health needs rise, well, that creates a, you know, a, a, a bit of a double whammy. Did your study find that some baby boomers are prepared and even want to continue to work beyond age 65? Oh, that's very true. I mean, there's a, a, a number of, of aging workers in our society that are simply way healthier than previous generations of workers have been and that have no interest of retiring at age 65. They simply want to stay on longer and, and be active and, and maintain them and be in the workforce. So uh, that's very true. And a lot of the increases in longevity that we've seen in uh, over the last 50 or so years, I mean, a lot of that has manifested itself in 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 better health, particularly in that age range of you know 60, 69. Now it's not at all certain that it's going to be all that increase in longevity is good when you look at sort of the back end of of people's health and lifespans. Um, but certainly, what we're starting to see, at least, is you know uh, in terms of changes to the average retirement age in Canada, which has gone up from about just a little bit over 60 uh, in 1998 to you know closer to 64 today. I mean, there's certainly an interest in, in staying and working longer. 
Um, should there be more flexibility in when and how much people take out of their RRSPs? Are, are the rules too arbitrary at the moment? Well, fundamentally, I mean, I think the answer to that is 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 yes, and you know, everyone must convert their their RRSPs into a RIF. Um, um, at age 71, where they mandatorily have to start drawing down on it, and the and the the risk there is quite simply that a lot of people outlive their retirement savings, and and you know there's no reason why you know that that 71 age, which is an arbitrary age, at which you know people need to start drawing down their retirement savings and their RSPs, why that couldn't be bumped back a bit, or at least allowed to increase with with longevity over time as people live longer to avoid the problem of of, of people you know running out of running out of money um, and, and undesirably having to draw down on on their savings at a rate that they're not comfortable with. Should older workers be able to contribute to their RRSPs beyond age seventy one if they're going to stay in the workforce and they're going to be continuing to make uh, some money and they're going to continue to want to defer tax if they have a larger income than the norm, should they be allowed to continue to contribute? Well, see, you made my argument for me, Peter. I mean, I, I think that that's that's a big part of it as well, right? Is that the, as you get older, as you want to work longer, um, and and you know, part of it is is you know, you want to make sure that people's retirement decisions are are probably as close to neutral as they can be in terms of you know, you don't want government policy steering people to retire earlier than they otherwise want to. You don't want them steering people to retire later than they otherwise want to. You, you kind of want to try to find that nice balance, and and uh, you know, and and I think that that's sort of when you when you're imposing that date of 71, you're pretty much putting, uh, you know, an end to anybody's, uh, you know, significant work uh, uh, ambitions. And, and that's probably not desirable. And, you know, we set these arbitrary dates. We set age 65 for old age security, you know, way back in the early 1960s. And we haven't budgeted ever since, in spite of the fact that, that people at age 65 are living nearly a, a decade longer now than they used to. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, these are arbitrary things that we put in place that we have to start being more amenable to to tinkering with to uh, to accommodate whatever the preferences are of, of baby boomers as they get older a lot of it comes under the heading of government knows best I suppose are there ways to encourage Canadians to take the lead in building their own estates rather than expecting the government to take care of them uh, there's another set, you know, there's a whole other set of challenges there. I mean, when it comes to people's retirement savings decisions and what, what the government can be doing to encourage, uh, um, you know, more appropriate, uh, you know, savings decisions as well. I mean, you know, you've got RRSPs, which set a, um, a contribution limit, an annual contribution limit of around, you know, 18% of the previous year's earnings. You know, there's, as a maximum, I mean, really, I mean, there's this probably, you know, a, a way in which those rules can be more accommodating as well over time. The idea of a lifetime contribution limit to RSPs is probably something we should be exploring as well. And that would allow a lot of people to deal with, you know, one, two-time fluctuations in income that, uh, um, you know, would allow them to contribute over and above what current RSP maximums, 
you know, limit us to and to deal with bequestments more effectively. Uh, it's another thing that we should be, you know, potentially looking towards to uh, to make our retirement savings rules and government policy more flexible. Bottom line, though, is to create a set of rules that provide flexibility for those who wish to continue to work, who wish to contribute to uh, to continue to contribute to the uh, something like an RRSP, uh, who don't necessarily need the money at 71, but who may need it uh, later in life than that, um, and, and give individuals some options uh, in terms of how long they contribute and when they take the money out. Well, I mean, that's fundamentally it. And, and, and try not to steer them too hard one way or another to, uh, to retiring at any specific date. You know, arguably, even OAS starts to push people towards retirement a little too early than they might otherwise have chosen. Um, and, and, you know, I, I fully understand the current federal government's concerns about, uh, you know, there's a subset of workers that, uh, quite frankly, don't have any interest in, in, and, and aren't capable of working um, into their mid to late 60s. Uh, I just think fundamentally a better approach would be, um, you know, let's target them specifically then and find a way to reach those workers rather than sort of say it's going to be 65 for each and every worker. I mean, most other advanced countries, in fact, nearly all of them are now moving towards 67 as their retirement age and Canada has decided against it. And, and at the end of the day, the, 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 the government that that impacts the most is the provinces and that decision which you know is going to uh, um, you know contribute to to some early retirement decisions of a number of boomers who might have otherwise wanted to stay and and work longer is uh, is going to uh, you know make it harder for the provinces who are the ones facing these uh, the, the, the the demographic uh, spending pressures from a lot of public programs especially in healthcare especially in healthcare So what are the implications for you, both as a taxpayer and as a person who is perhaps preparing for retirement? Those implications need to translate into a life plan. Who should have a life plan? We'll take up that question in a moment on The Strong Room on 770 CHQR. 